Hey, hey, it's Liz. Thanks for joining in today. Today's episode is bursting at the seams with manifestation goodness, and you will not regret making it all the way to the end with me. In this episode, we'll be joined by Natalie Argo. She's an urban homesteader of the Hey, It's a Good Life blog. And I fell in love with Natalie's story recently as part of the Homesteaders of America garden tour. She has um, an HGTV-esque personality on camera that just draws you in and keeps you there like a fresh pot of coffee on a rainy day. Her videos are the sweetest and her message is right on time for all of you, my dear hopefuls. I know you're going to fall in love with Natalie. Welcome to Manifest Your Homestead, the podcast where farmers in waiting work toward building the sustainable lives they dream of. No matter how big or small your current patch of earth is, we work together through manifesting and business building ideas that get you going on the road to the homestead of your dreams. But we're not just dreaming, hoping, and wishing here. No, we're taking action right now. And we're working on our daily manifestation practice, knowing that our corner of heaven is already out there waiting for us. We just need to step into our dusty overalls and become the rightful stewards of our land. If the vision of having your ideal homestead dances around your head while you practice your canning, quilting, or soap making skills, then you are in the right place. We welcome you to our society of hopeful homesteaders as we turn our waiting room into our classroom and stockpile the skills, knowledge, and practice we need to be successful on the homestead. podcast, my story of manifesting a homesteader's life was one of full on immersion. I was going to step in fully to being a homesteader and more importantly, a resource for homesteaders and farmers currently doing what I wanted to do in the hopes that through my service to this community, I would align more closely to my dreams and set out on the path the universe was putting out before me. One of the routes I decided to take was to publish a magazine for homesteading women and farmers for the doers and the dreamers. I wanted to gather all the voices in one place, all the inspiration, all the resources you would ever need to feel comforted, encouraged, and supported as you too begin to walk toward your goal of homesteading. Now, marketing, branding, and publishing is in my background. This is what I know how to do. And I wanted to use what I had now to serve the people that I am mostly endeared to. Homestead Woman Magazine was born, and in less than two weeks, it was up, running, and in production. Today's guest, Natalie, is a contributor to our premiere issue that publishes in October, along with many other folks you admire from around the homesteading community. Now, you'll remember that I was inspired to begin by watching Jessica Swords of Roots and Refuge, much like many of you, so I thought it only fitting to have her on the cover of the magazine since I know she's the inspiration to legions of homesteading women around the world. But I don't have a personal relationship with her. I was positive that she was pretty busy and pretty sure she had no idea who I was. But once the cover of the magazine was completed, I placed a picture of Jessica on the cover. I'll remind you of my manifestation practices are pretty hardcore, wink, wink. I sent her an email with the cover of the magazine, lit a candle, and sat there and prayed. 
Not five minutes later, I received a notification from her channel that she was releasing her first book on Amazon. How perfect. Maybe she'd want to promote her new book as part of a press tour on our magazine. As I hopefully sat there, I began to scroll through Jessica's older videos from the HOA conference and the shindig event her and her husband Jeremiah uh, put on, I believe, every year. So who do I see in her car sitting next to her? Natalie Argo. Wait a minute. Shut the barn door. I could not believe that just yesterday I was on the phone with a Roots and Refuge bestie and did not even know it. Natalie had no idea about my wish for Jessica to be on the cover of the magazine, but I realized at that moment that there was just one degree of separation between Jessica and I and my dream of publishing Homestead Woman with our patron saint of homesteading on the cover. Let's jump into our conversation so you can see exactly how juicy this whole thing gets. So uh, very nice to meet you. Um, I, I ran across you. It was definitely divine because um, our audience is mostly women who uh, follow your story, really. They're kind of in an apartment or they're not in their dream homestead yet, and they're desperately wanting to live the life. So it's, uh, it's a matter of turning that thinking on its head and declaring today that you are a homesteader and you can begin right where your feet are at, no matter if it's, if you're in a penthouse apartment or, you know, wherever you are, you can declare it and start it today. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I learned about your story, I thought, oh my gosh, there's like someone who's doing exactly what we're talking about or who's done because you've come a long way. Thanks. Yeah, definitely a stepping stone home still definitely dreaming of more. But yeah, it's, it's more than what we started with for sure. <laughs> well, I would love it if um, I'm sure you've done this many, many times. I'd love it if you could kind of take us through that idea of wanting to kind of do more wanting to begin not having the ideal situation perhaps in your mind, and just kind of deciding I'm going to do this and jump in and I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. My story is uh, kind of a funny one. In some ways, I feel like extraordinarily blessed that I've had these moments of, I call them like divine clarity, where it was just like, I knew this is the direction I had to go. I mean, I've, I've had a couple moments like that in my life. And I would definitely describe the starting to homestead where we were as one of those moments where it was just like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And it just clicked. It's funny to be having this conversation today too, because I just uh, opened to the beginning of my journal and I'm still working on a journal that I started four years ago. And so the entry was uh, from January 3rd, 2016. And um, I was reading it going, oh my gosh, this is the same girl, same woman who is like here now, just in a different spot. Like just this I just have this thing where I felt God starting to stir something in my heart for something new. And I wrote in my journal four years ago, like, I feel you doing this new thing in me and I don't know what it is yet, but I say yes. And I feel like that's been a huge part of my journey is, is just saying yes. Um, and when I haven't said yes, and you might already know this, but I, I love to just be candid with people and say, when I was saying no and saying that, Certainly my dream was too lofty and certainly it was too big and, and grandiose. And who am I to think that we could ever even afford that in California? 
um, there was a season in my life after having just gotten married, realizing how expensive life was and just like, oof, just expectations of just my reality. I thought I was going to be in this different, you know, scenario and I wasn't, um, I, it just took me a lot longer to finish like grad school stuff and get licensed and, um, a lot of good things. I love my husband. That's not what I'm referring to, but, um, just a lot of just reality checks of like, okay, this is what it's like to really adult. Cause prior to that, Tommy and I had both lived at home and like saved all our money and waited, you know, to be together for marriage. So it was just a lot of reality checks that year. And so I was very sad, um, to be letting go of this dream that I had been given so many years ago, 2011 was when I really first saw the vision of like this homestead. I didn't know that's what it was called at the time, but, um, 2011, I, I had the vision and I had been setting with it for years. And then we get married and I'm like, I'll never have my farm. I'll never have my farm. And I start partnering with this lie. And I don't even want to say it out loud because you know the power of words, but um, that's what I was thinking then. I don't think like that anymore. Uh, and I, I would in 2017 be curled up on the couch, uh, crying under a blanket, watching my laptop. And if Tommy came out and saw that, he's like, you're watching farm videos, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I am. <laughs> and, uh, it was in that, in that year that I felt like God told me, and he, sometimes he speaks very bluntly with me. This is one of those times where I felt like he spoke very bluntly and he said, don't stop squawking about it. Don't shut up about it. And I was like, do you, do you talk like that? Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, okay. I won't, I won't shut up about it. Cool. Uh, and it was, that's really what led to this like divine um, series of events. My friend, Paul, that I used to play volleyball with him and his wife, they started a farm out here called Primal Pastures. I was witnessing what they were doing on Facebook. It woke me up to the food system that led me to Joel Salatin, binge watched everything and was like, this is, this makes so much sense. This is what I'm supposed to do. Joel Salatin led me to Justin Rhodes. And I was like, oh, here are people actually doing it on like a family level. And then that led me to Jess and one of her videos, which was uh, for those waiting on the fulfillment of their farm dream. And that was really the catalyst. I knew I, I was waiting on this big thing. I knew I wanted to start a YouTube channel. I knew I wanted to encourage other people to pursue their dreams. And slowly but surely, it finally just all came together. And I said, okay, I'm just going to document the journey and believe that I'm documenting the journey from apartment to farm. And I, that's terrifying because what if it doesn't happen? But I don't think that's the case. So... <laughs> So now in this process from say 2011 to crying on your couch to then seeing all the dots come together fairly quickly, were you aware of the journey as you were traveling down that journey or was it your, you know, your corporate career life as usual and then bam, you get one two by four in the face one day? That's a really good question. Um, I would say it was maybe a little bit of both. So in 2011, um, and I don't know, like, I'll just, I'll share with you briefly the story in 2011, my mentors had a birthday party for their youngest daughter at the time. And she was turning two. And at this party, I quite literally bumped into this couple. I like turned around, I, like bumped into them and I was like, Oh, hello. And we got to talking and they told me what they did. They said, we want a ranch. We run a ranch up North for troubled youth. We pair troubled horses with troubled youth and together they heal one another. And it was like, boom, that was like a two by four moment. As you say, that was a huge light bulb. I was like, that, that is what I need to do. I didn't feel the resonation with, um, with troubled youth, but definitely with horses, definitely up North, um, and definitely 
because I, I was already on the path to getting my degree for psychology and I knew that I was supposed to be a therapist and that was a light bulb moment from when I was 16 in my first psych class. Um, and so I was like, I just never saw myself permanently in an office. And so when they said that, I was like, oh, there is a way to combine this with nature. And that's when I started volunteering at a local um, uh, horse center where they help children with disabilities. And I would ride alongside the kids and hold them in their saddles. And I was like, okay, well, this is like part of me gaining experience towards that. Um, and then I met my husband and he's like, well, what do you want to do with your life? I'm like, well, if I could do anything, I'd have a ranch and I'd see clients on the ranch. I didn't know that it was going to involve homesteading. I didn't know it was going to be a regenerative farm. I didn't know it was going to be for the equipment of leaders and the restoration of leaders. But I, I had this word over my life that um, I was to help heal people and to be a leader of leaders, which at the time sounded like really audacious because I'm like this 20-year-old kid. I'm like, lead leaders. Like what? But I, then I started to see it happen in my life. And so I had two by four moments. And then I had these like, oh, that's why I was leading kids on campus. And that's why I was a student chaplain. And that's why I did the FCA mentorship. Okay. This is all going somewhere. And even just the layers of like learning, um, you know, video production, that is like a theme throughout my whole life. And now I'm a YouTuber. It's like, oh, that was building up to this. And it's not like I'm hugely successful yet on YouTube or anything by any means, but there is this passion to, to document and to tell stories through video. And it's like, well, I didn't know that when I was two and my parents were putting a camcorder in my hands, but now here I am. So it's, it's a little bit of both to answer your question. And it's really cool um, to trust and to, to see it come all together. But it's also really cool when you get the aha moment and you're like, oh, this is the direction I'm supposed to go. So I, I really live for both of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so take us, so the, you, you start making, uh, you start connecting the dots. You start meeting the people that are kind of leading you on the journey. You get to Jess, you see that episode, you realize this is it. I found it. This is my compass. What happens next? I told myself, I'm not allowed to start my YouTube channel until I have the materials to build my garden. And I had already been filming like, um, like recipe videos and stuff like that. And so I already had this like YouTube thing going. I, at one point had like a small lifestyle channel. I did like a boyfriend does my makeup challenge with my husband back in the day. It was so funny. I, I sometimes think I should just post that just as like memorabilia. Um, but yeah, so I had this, uh, thing kind of going already and I was like, I'm not allowed to go any further. I'm not really allowed to launch until I get the materials for my garden beds and film making those beds. It was just like this deal that I made with myself mm-hmm. and, um, I, I did it. I, I got the materials. I got them cut at Home Depot for the most part. I had to do a little bit of cutting at home with a jigsaw on our dining room table. Our upstairs neighbor at the time hated us. It was so loud and so janky, but I got three garden beds built. Did I build them correctly? No, but I did it and I started growing food and then I killed all of it by adding uncomposted wood chips, but it was definitely part of the, the journey. Yeah. Now in several of your videos and even now, you refer to all the building, the majority of the building to you building it. Are you physically building it? Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So everything, I mean, everything you see, like everything around us right now, like I built all of these beds, um, with my own two hands, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my greenhouse that I built on wheels. Um, everything is built by me and, 
part of that was out of necessity because my husband really wasn't interested in building. He's, he's really looking forward to the day that we have a shop and he can have all the right tools and he's an engineer, you know, so he likes everything to be like a very certain way, but I'm much, I'm, I'm the one that says, let's go charge the mountain. So I'm like, I'm not letting anything get in my way. I'm starting now. Um, so part of it was just out of necessity. If I wanted to make this happen, I was going to have to do it. Um, and I had more time in my schedule too, whereas he was working like 10 hour days at the time. And, but part of it is I just really enjoy it. Um, I really enjoy the challenge. I really enjoy, I don't really like the process so much, but I love being able to say I had no skills. I had very few tools, but I didn't make an excuse. And that means that you shouldn't either. Yeah. I build everything with my own two hands and I hope that it encourage other, other people that they can too. I don't know if you realize how huge that is. <laughs> but I mean, I speak to women all the time and about this specifically. And it's always, well, you know, my boyfriend's not home. My husband works long hours. You know, I've, I have kids. Um, you know, I, I don't, I can't build anything. So literally, you know, and we know, you and I know that that's fear and that's many other things that are kind of bubbling up to the top. But physically, if someone says, no, no Liz, I do not know how to wield a hammer, a saw, much less a two by four. What do you say to those folks? I say, come to my office and we'll talk about your limiting beliefs. <laughs> um, no, I, I say I get it because I was there too for a hot second. Um, but, you know, the choice is yours. If that's where you want to choose to live, okay. I personally am not one to become um, dependent on a system or a person or, uh, something that's not serving me and where I want to go. And so I'm a very like solutions focused person. If somebody else isn't going to help me with the solution, I'm going to find it myself. So if people don't want to find that solution for themselves, I just say, okay, that's, you know, that's your choice. But I always try to go the encouragement route first. And I try to say, well, you know, I did it. You know, here are some videos, watch some vintage. Hey, it's a good life. You'll see some really funny things. <laughs> um, I built a lot of things wrong and I felt very convicted uh, from the very beginning to always leave my old videos up because I knew that at some point other people would be encouraged by A, how poorly edited the videos were, I'm sure, but also just the mistakes that I made. And so I try to be clear about that in videos now. Like I just shot this video and I was like, well, go watch Vintage Hey, It's a Good Life, but don't listen to her. Like watch this other video where I actually show you how to do it the right way. So I try to encourage people and... and ultimately you can't, you can only lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. So it's like, okay, I've learned to, um, not try to force something if somebody's not ready. All right. I'll help you if you want to go, but if you don't want to go, I'm, I'm not going to drag you along. Even for, for my husband, I'm, I'm also a very strong willed individual. And <laughs> I can absolutely build things on my own. I don't prefer it, but I will. And mm -hmm. I overheard my husband talking to a friend the other day and he said to her, you know, I'm aware that if I don't help her, she's going to call somebody else into our house to help her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to see who that's going to be. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about throwing that around here. I think, uh, I don't know that would get me very far, but I do understand where they're coming from. Definitely. That's funny. Yeah. So for those uh, ladies who are ready, who have had the two by four moment, literally within the weeks and months surrounding this conversation, mm. who have realized, shoot, I've got it, right? Found my compass. It's in my hands, but I'm in an apartment. Like I barely have a patch of grass. I, you know, I can't have chickens. Where in the world do I start? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I think it depends on, you know, how much do you really want to do? I think Natalie, two years ago, three garden beds, it was ambitious at the time. Um, it was ambitious to think that I could keep that soil alive, not really knowing that anything about fertilization or mulching. Um, so it, I would say like, how, how ambitious are you feeling? Um, how, cause what ended up happening for me was that was $200 worth of soil that I ended up killing. <laughs> and my husband made us package it and take it to our new house. It's like, we bought that soil. We're going to revive it. It's like, we're not leaving it. We're not dumping it. You know, do you want to build a garden bed and see if you can figure that out? Or do you want to start with one tomato plant and a pot? For me, I'm a really ambitious person and a really like big go-getter. So I'm like, um, this doesn't count unless I've maxed out my space completely on my patio. So I'm doing everything and I'm going to be as sustainable as I can be here. So I think, you know, starting with gardening is a great, is a great spot. You know, how big do you want to go? It's totally up to you. I think starting with like one tomato plant, like aroma tomato plant from the nursery is a really hardy plant. I have one growing right now and it's just like totally voracious. Sun gold tomatoes also really fun to grow because they're so tasty. And so it's very encouraging when it's like, oh, okay, I grew this thing and it tastes really good. Like it kind of gives you that taste for wanting to do more. So I'd say start with a plant that you get from the nursery in in one little pot or build a garden bed and and figure that out. Just know that you're going to have to fertilize that and use some good mulch on it. Don't do what vintage Hey, It's a Good Life did. Um, And there's so many other things that you can do too. And I know, you know, Jess talks about this, other people talk about this, but buy, you could buy store-bought produce and start learning how to can, start canning tomatoes, start making your own pickles, um, learn how to be more sustainable. One of the ways that we started doing that was I got this really aesthetic worm bin, which was so nice because in an apartment, you know, where are you going to put all of this stuff? My family um, bought us a worm bin for Christmas. It was from gardeners and it was so pretty. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to use this. And so we started learning how to vermicompost right in the kitchen. Try to think of anything else that we did. I think I really started paying attention to, to our waste and like how much waste we were producing and just how to be more eco-conscious. I also started becoming really aware of the products that we were using in our home and how that was really decreasing our immune, excuse me, immunity. Um, and learning to make my own products. I think one of like my first or second videos was making your own deodorant, just realizing that I was having pain in my armpits and I was like, what is going on? And I was using commercial deodorant and it wasn't working for me anymore. In fact, I felt like it was harming me. And so learning to just make these little switches to a more natural lifestyle. Yeah, so anywhere. So start with the natural lifestyle, start with sustainability, start with canning, start with gardening, pick one of those, um, whatever you know fascinates you the most and go with it. Yeah. Now you mentioned your patio and you, you, it looks like you upgraded from the three beds quite a bit. (laughs) So can you describe your current patio, your current situation right now, um, logistically? Yeah. So we currently rent a home in San Diego. We had to find a place rather quickly when my husband got uh, an incredible job offer out here. We moved an hour South of, um, where we started our life together. So we were originally living in Orange County. Now we live in uh, San Diego, California and, we basically had two weeks to find a house. So we're like, okay, um, what are we going to do? And I'll never forget leaving the apartment. And it was actually in the middle of our, our drought relief year when we had been in a drought for a really long time. And then we had rains just nonstop. I mean, we were getting notifications on our phones of like, stop driving now, pull over. Like the roads are flooded type situation. Um, and I have some of it on video too, like when we're searching for a house and I'm just like looking at our phone and you can't even see out the window because there's so much water coming down. Um, but that day I remember leaving the apartment and 
just the sound of the rain was so loud. And I turned to Tommy, I was like, I can't do this on my own strength. God is going to have to show us the house. And I'll never forget saying that because the minute I said, God's going to have to show us the house. And you know, the power of words, right? It was like that day, a house came on the market, which was such a huge upgrade for us from an apartment. It was like, what? To have a garage, to have a backyard. Like our minds were just like blown when this property came on the market. That day we submitted our application and the next day they accepted us. Um, So it was really, it was really, really quick. But we we actually like kind of peeked at the property uh, before having it shown to us the next day because we were in the area and my mom's a realtor. And so we were like looking around. I was like, Oh my gosh, Tommy, like look at the backyard. And we were like peeking over the fence. He's like, you could totally put a garden there. And we both had this vision of like this big U-shaped garden where we could have like garden parties and stuff. And um, it's definitely expanded. So now we've got roughly like 600 square feet of growing space. I'm learning to be less of a square foot gardener and more of a some plants need more space gardener. And now we've got a greenhouse. We've also got like an entire pollinator garden, which is really taking a beating in the heat right now, actually. But it's definitely brought a lot more pollinators in. That's obviously really important for growing food. And then we expanded to the front of the house too, which is where we're going to start growing corn um, and do another pollinator garden. Um, it kind of got beat down in the heat. Uh, and we have a lemon tree, which when we moved here, I felt like was this little sign of hope. I feel like uh, bluebirds and lemons are like always these little signs that God uses that we're on the right path. And so when there was a lemon tree in the front, albeit almost dead, but it was there. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, this is totally our house. Like this is God's confirmation all over it. And what's funny is my neighbors, this is like a side anecdote. My neighbors are like all about using chemicals and, um, you know, Roundup and all that stuff. And I have brought back this lemon tree to life using vermicomposting methods and worm teas. And so they see me out there and they see me spraying using the same sprayer that they use for chemicals. But they're kind of looking at me and this, this guy's like 80 years old. He's the former president of the Home- Homeowners Association. He comes out one day and he's like, what you been using on that tree? I'm like, it's worm tea, Rex. It's all organic. I make it myself. <laughs> and I just felt like such a one. He's like, that's the best that tree's looked in 30 years. I'm like, thank you so much. I'm so glad to know that. So I love the idea of uh, knowing that we can leave a place better than we found it. And as hard as it will be to, you know, say goodbye to this, it's like, I know that we've done something really good here and that we can be proud of that. And how long have you been in this space? I think it's been about a year and a half. April, May, June, July. Yeah, almost a year and a half, a year and four months. Yeah. And Natalie, do you also work full time? Well, not currently in the middle of COVID, but uh, yeah, I'm a marriage and family therapist by trade and by education. So I did have my own practice uh, out here in San Marcos, um, but I recently just shut that down. It, It felt like a waste of space. I just was like, why am I paying, you know, almost $400 a month for this rent when I'm seeing all, all my clients online anyway. Um, and so now I just see clients online and it feels like there's this strange interim period where I've got this gift of time on my hands and being home where I get to build something. And so it's funny, I was just on the phone earlier with a dear friend and she was encouraging me and praying with me about like what's next. And so Um, I've got this like course idea in the works and just different things that I want to basically equip other people with so that they can kind of start their homesteading journey, their, their dream. Maybe that isn't a homestead. Maybe that's something else, but yeah, it's given me some time to think. So I do, I do work, but it's definitely a lot slower with COVID. And so I'm kind of pivoting with that and figuring out what's next right now. Yeah. So what does your journey look like? You know, what does your journal say? 
five years from now or three years from now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I really hope that by then we've got a more permanent property that we can call our own. It's interesting. I'm in a really interesting phase of life where I said yes to my dream and I launched on that, not really knowing what I was doing, but the people that existed to pour into me to A, launch that dream and get me to that place, my mentors, my good friends, now they're coming back to me and saying, hey, we see what you're doing. We have a dream too. Will you help us launch? And like my, my dearest mentors that I've known, I don't know, like half my life now at this point, they were asking me that. And they're in the process of buying property for a farm up north. And so I sometimes wonder, I'm like, are our paths going to, you know, we're looking at each other and we've got such similar visions and dreams that we didn't really talk about until this last year. And so now we're kind of like, okay, well, we know that we're, we're excitable. So let's really pray about this. Um, so I don't know, will we be up North with them helping them build their farm? Mm -hmm. Maybe I have no idea. Um, well, we have our farm. I don't know, but the, uh, the prayer that my friend prayed for me this morning was, just grace for the interim. She was like, I'm so tempted to pray for expedition and that things would go quicker. Uh, she's like, but I feel like the prayer I'm supposed to pray for you right now is that um, there would be grace for the season and, you know, tolerating the waiting. So uh, I hope, I, I would really love to say that, you know, we'll have our farm and, you know, it's going to be amazing because I, I believe in the power of words, but uh, more realistically, I feel like this is a, a slower endeavor and that's okay. It doesn't mean that I've failed. It means that I, as a human, can't push the will of God to be sooner than when it should be. So that's my long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful and perfect answer because there's so many of us um, during this time with so much uncertainty and so much waiting. Um, yeah. That's what we need to hear. Um, you know, we, we've heard a lot of motivational speakers in the past talk about the winter of our lives, and we mm -hmm. can all choose what to do with that winter. I truly believe for everyone on the planet, this is the winter of our lives. And mm -hmm. I think it is a time where women specifically are required to slow down, to look inward, right, to look upward, and to really take their time to draw out the next blueprint. You know, my, one of my initial steps, my initial awakenings that, um, that I had was, uh, my husband and I have been married for seven years and in, in my, uh, frame, he's the perfect, the perfect person. <laughs> yeah. and I was always so regretful during our relationship that I I'm 45, that I hadn't met him earlier mm. in my life. Right no children or when I was naive and carefree and, you know, that he didn't enjoy all of those aspects of me. And I carried that regret around. Like it was a, like a real thing. Like I would say, mm -hmm. I really regret not meeting you earlier, not enjoying you earlier. And I was sitting in my, um, in my driveway one morning after dropping my child off. And I was thinking to myself that same thought, you know, I'm so regretful of had I only, and I thought, and, you know, how long are we going to live exactly? And I thought, okay, what if I live till 80, 85? Thinking that's 40 years. I mean, that's a whole nother lifetime that I have with this individual to grow and design and do everything from scratch. And that, I mean, that thought right there put my whole world on its head. 
And then when I described that same idea to him, he was very much, he's also 45 and he was very much like, you know, I am ready for retirement. I've been working way too hard. And I'm like, no, that's it's, retirement. Isn't it? It's more like reinvention. You know, we have the, the ability to redesign and rebirth ourselves exactly how we'd always dreamed. Now's the time. And, you know, I think that prayer for the interim is so powerful because it's true. You know, this is not the time to expedite. This is not the time for harvest. This is the time for seeding. And this is the winter and preparing for that harvest. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And thank you. Thank your friend, because that was so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really well said. I, I could not agree more. I feel like this is a winter for the world and it's time for us to reevaluate and, and make our decisions now. Yeah, that's good. How clear is this picture in your mind? Do you, do you have uh, a detailed blueprint in your mind or are, do you kind of just give it all up? How do, you, how do you see that in your mind? Okay, that is like so crystal clear because that is like I had this dream vision thing one night that like woke me up out of my sleep. Um, that is very, very crystal clear. That, I mean, for me, and you know, we'll obviously see like sometimes God speaks in metaphors um, and we think we see it so clearly, but the picture in my mind is somewhere up north, more like central California. Um, and the picture in my mind that I had that night was the sun setting in the background. And I was walking up this, this hill to this property um, on horseback on this white horse. And it was this single story white farmhouse, which I know at this point is like, well, every, every, everybody's doing that, but this was before Chip and Joe. Okay. <laughs> um, and so this is white, you know, farmhouse. Um, with this beautiful entryway right in the middle and alongside, you know, the front and just all around it were these lush green gardens that were so clearly full of flowers and food. And I remember I was like looking over my shoulder and I just had this sense of, wow, I'd better prepare. I'd better prepare for all of the people that are coming here. And I had no idea what that meant. It was just a feeling at the time. Um, but yeah. And I envision somewhere on there also being animals that we rescue, that we, that we partner with people and, um, enough space for, you know, recreation and getting connected with nature. And I mean, if I could really paint it my way, I didn't see this in that vision, but I would love to have like an airsoft field because my husband and I, um, used to enjoy airsofting together, which is totally random, but I mean, that that's such a fun way to, you know, get good exercise in and play around with friends. So I'm like, well, you're really passionate about that. So like, let's put that on the farm too. Like, why not? Why, why set any limits on it? So that is, that is the vision that I really saw that night. Um, and I try to try to be open. Um, and I think the only other vision that I've really had since then is that, uh, some of the businesses that I'm working on now are the gateway to that. Um, they're not immediate, but, um, I think that there will be other properties in the, um, in the country as well, eventually. Um, but we won't see that for a while. So where does your husband stand in all of this, Natalie? That's a good question. The other day I was watching a farming video on YouTube, uh, and he's like, so you still want the farm? And I'm like, yep. And he's like, okay. <laughs> um, at first he was, he was like, girl, you crazy girl, come on a farm really. But I was like, I told you when we met, you know, you told me you needed your son to be named Albert Thomas Argo the fifth. Cause you are Albert Thomas Argo the fourth. Okay. That was part of our dating agreement. 
I told you when we met, like I wanted a ranch to like have people come to. So you knew this about me. We were getting into this together and, um, and yeah, he's good with it. I think, I think the fact that it's going to take time to get there and to evolve is good for him because he's an engineer. He's very methodical. Um, and so it will be really good timing once we finally do get there and it will make a lot of sense. Um, but for me, I'm like, come on, I'm ready. Like, let's do this. So, <laughs> uh, but he's super supportive and, uh, he's, he's supported me from day one. I always say that, uh, he makes any good idea I have 10,000 times better. And it doesn't always feel like support in the beginning. It, I used to take it really personally when he would think through something or not be excited about it right, right away. Um, but I've grown slightly wiser in a couple, well, three and a half years of marriage that that's just how he's wired. And that is how he shows his care is that he's thinking through the plan. Does it make sense? Is this actually viable? And so uh, we've learned to work together from our strengths rather than say, you need to be like me for this to be good. You know, if Natalie's not methodical and thought through, then that's not good. If Tommy's not excited, then that's not good. Like, no, that's not how it works. Like, I really believe that God does bring opposite people uh, together to make us more whole. And so we try to honor each other's strengths now rather than fight each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, Natalie, your words today, um, whether you know it or not, and I'm sure that you do, had to be heard by me and by all the other listeners um, because it's just, it's a message of hope. It's a message definitely of patience, which uh, many women don't carry around in their pockets. <laughs> um, so I want to thank you for your time. I want you to thank you for agreeing um, to be here because uh, I didn't know necessarily what we would be talking about, but we fell upon exactly what we needed to talk about. <laughs> Hey, look at that. <laughs> so good to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm really glad to meet you. And um, I'm really excited for, for what you're up to. I happen to stumble upon your podcast and I think it's great. I, I love what you're doing and I'm really excited to see it uh, continue to grow and thrive. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for those of us um, that are still looking to discover more about you, tell us where we can find you. Sure. Yeah, we've got a blog, heyitsagoodlife.com. Uh, we're on YouTube, Hey, It's a Good Life, and Instagram, uh, which is Hey, It's a Good Life with two Ys. Yes, Natalie. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, and I will follow you uh, online for sure. Okay, likewise. Thank you. Thanks, Natalie, have a great one. So there you have it, Natalie Argo. Wasn't her story so motivating? You know, I learned after the interview with Natalie that the dear friend she refers to, the one that prayed with her over the phone, was Jessica Sowers. And when she told me this, goosebumps ran down my spine simply because I thought, you know, how fortunate, how beautiful for the both of them to join and commune and prayer together to join hands and hearts to lift one another up in their vision, regardless of how unclear or uncertain the path is. Joining in faith is a powerful, powerful guide. And hopefuls, this is my wish for all of you. Stay strong in your faith, that your next step is already drawn out for you. You just have to keep moving your muddy little feet forward. Thank you for staying with us. And remember, no matter where you are, you are a homesteader. Join me in the next episode where we talk to another hopeful who reinvented herself on a whim and by accident and now enjoys a beaten path to her door. 
Until then, declare it out loud, I am a homesteader. <laughs>